Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen Hello, welcome to Gegenpressing. German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how has your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, really excited to talk about all these topics. And uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to go to Germany next week. So I'm really excited to go home, see my family, see my parents, and um, watch a bunch of football, cover Football Grad on tour. So Exciting, Bryce. Really excited. But how are you? How's it going over there? Yeah, not too bad. It's finally got pretty chilly in London. Um, it's always good to talk about the weather in the UK, live up to a to tradition, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's been good. I think we've had a, a fantastic weekend of uh, football in many of the leagues uh, in Europe and outside Europe. And yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about some of the uh, German games Um Plenty to talk about as always, but uh, joining uh, Manu and I is Chris Williams as always. Chris, how's your weekend been? Oh, well, weekend's been all right, thanks. I've had a very busy week um, traveling up and down the United Kingdom, uh, um, Celtic on Tuesday night, Liverpool on Wednesday, um, and then unfortunately I spent Thursday night at Arsenal. 90 minutes, I'm not going to get back, but um, it was good. It was a good week for football, Grad. Well, Chris, those, those images that you sent from Celtic Park, I was oh, jealous yeah. before, but now it's even worse. That that looked like yeah, an I mean, amazing that is, evening. That's an unbelievable place. I mean, I've been to some loud stadiums in my time, and, and quite a few have been in Germany. But um, Celtic Park was wow! It was something else. Uh, obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan, so you know you'll never walk alone. Something special, but up there, wow! It it was even more special. Fantastic stadium. If you get the chance, go. Yeah, definitely. It's on my bucket list now for sure. It was already on that list before, but. Wow. And the coverage he did was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I haven't met one person yet that knows a football grad that hasn't been jealous of uh, you being there, Chris. Uh, you had a hell of a tour last weekend. Yeah, good work, I must say, in reporting. We had some fantastic images on the Football Grad um, network and accounts. And yeah, if you if you missed it, go over there. It's still there. If not, then you're going to have to tune into the next uh, big European match day. But guys, let's jump into uh, the Bundesliga. Um, as uh, I'm sure everyone's eager to hear, it was Der Klassiker over the weekend. Uh, late kickoff on Saturday, seeing Borussia Dortmund uh, taking on Bayern Munich. Unfortunately, things did not go uh, Borussia's way. Um, it finishing at three-one. Guys, we, we've kind of mentioned over the last few weeks, haven't we, that uh, things haven't really been going their way, and it kind of continued, didn't it? Uh, things didn't look great. I mean. I think we've got plenty to talk about here. Uh, Chris, let, let's go to you first. I mean, since uh, Heikes has taken over at Bayern, uh, come back in, he really seems to have uh, steadied the ship. And uh, Dortmund have given away you know, 11 points in the difference uh, in the league. And yeah, the, things just don't look like they're going to turn anytime soon. Uh, I mean, what, what's your opinion and take on it all? It's, it's an odd one because at the back, they look terrible. Um, and then, up front, they look okay. They just can't score. I mean, realistically, this game could have been um, five four. It was you know it was close in parts, um, and Dortmund let themselves down. I think I'm, I'm not one for hanging players out to um, dry, but Toprak was culpable for all three buying goals. I don't think he settled well at all at Dortmund. 
Um, the defence looks iffy. It's looked iffy for a while. I think I was there when they played Spurs at Wembley and that was the first time I really saw it carved open that season. Don't forget, we're, we're looking at August, September. You know, I think they only conceded two goals in something like the first seven games and you know now they've conceded a lot in the last four I'm probably in a region of 11, I think, now. It's it's all of a sudden gone wrong. I think it's not been helped by the fact that they've fallen out of the Champions League as well, um, spectacularly fallen out of the Champions League. I mean, we all thought that it would be Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund who go out of that group, and it's not. It's been Tottenham top with Real Madrid second at times. So they have spectacularly spectacularly fallen out. The games against Apoel Nicosia just exacerbated that. You know, they were poor away from home. They were poor at home. Um, it's it's simple things. I mean, you don't have to know that much about German football to know that you don't let Iron Robin have any time on his left foot. And it was 17 minutes in and it's, it's Schmelzer and Toprak just gave uh, Robin the, the space for him to just pick his spot. And, you know, there's a beautiful shot of it. And He's had all the time in the world, and if you don't, you, you don't want to do that to Iron Robin. And then again up front, it's not been all bad. So Christian Pulisic, I thought, was very good for Dortmund, and you know, really should have been um, credited with a few assists. First of all, Kagawa inexplicably pulls a ball wide. Abamyang, as I don't know where he's left his shooting boots. I now do actually think he's injured. I think he picked up quite a bad knock at Freiburg maybe four or five weeks ago, and it's not settled. Um, um, so it's it's bad, but it doesn't feel too bad because they are playing okay football at times. Just they can't score, but it's not going to help Peter Bosch's cause, is it? I don't think. Um, <laughs> he's under pressure, unbelievably. He's under pressure 11 games into his career at Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, um, Manu, if we go to you on this, I mean, are you just going to echo what Chris has said? I mean, where things as bad as they as they seem on the night. Um, and what, what do you feel they have to do going forward? Have, have they been found out? That's a very good question. And I, I struggle with the, the finding the answer. I did the match report for fußballstadt.com on this game. And I thought that it was a really odd game in that. And I mean, the stats back this up. Dortmund, there was only two categories that Dortmund we're not leading in this game. And unfortunately, one of them was the key categories, which was goal scored, right? Um, but e- except for ball possession, Dortmund had all the key categories, you know, total shots, um, shots inside the box, hit the woodwork, corner kicks, accurate passes, passes, accuracy, um, duels won, you know, that it doesn't read like the statistic of a team that was, utterly beaten. And I, I thought that Bayern deservedly won this game. I thought that they were better. They were more efficient. They, um, they seem to have more urgency in their game, more confidence in their game. I thought that Ian Robin, who I thought was the player of the match, um, was outstanding. And yeah, he's poorly defended, but you know, it's still, he pulls off that trick so many times and he just does it so well and he, he gets those goals, but I thought he was a real leader on the field as well. And he kind of showed to me, he was almost the difference between Dortmund and Bayern because he is so accurate and so straightforward and so effective. And just, 
he shows that maturity and the ability to get the job done. And those are all things that are kind of lacking at, at Dortmund right now. And, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I, I, I wonder why he was even on the field. I wouldn't have played him last week, actually. I, I thought Alexander Isak was good during the cup. Honestly, the problem with Peter Bosch's system is, and this is maybe something we, we should discuss in a little bit, of Peter Bosch's future. But I think the problem with Peter Bosch's system is it only works if every single part works against the ball. Now, if Aubameyang, and I think, Chris, you're right, I think he, he may be carrying a knock because he's been a ghost. If he doesn't work against the ball, that entire system just falls apart in its own, in its, in its little systems. You know, it becomes everyone for themselves. And that is, that is a massive problem. So, you know, if he doesn't work, if he doesn't put in the work rate, then he's basically, he's not only not scoring goals, but he's hurting the entire system. And I wonder almost that why not throw in the young striker? You know, even if Alexander Isaac doesn't score, at least he will put in the work rate, which is so important for the entire tactical system. So that's, that's maybe, you know, something I would look at, but yeah, it's, it, it was dire watching for Dortmund fans and the amount of chances that, and not just Aubameyang, Ayamolenko had a real sitter as well. I, I thought that he left so many chances, um, that he should have scored, you know, and I think they will all look back and say, well, it's the defense issues. That's one thing we've discussed it many times, but attack is really efficiency and, and attack is just not there right now. And so, you know, if it, if it's not gelling up front and you have problems in the back, then that's what you get. Yeah, Chris, I mean, if, if we speak about uh, Peter Bosk, as Manu uh, rightfully said there, you know, is it that, He's going to need a bit more time, uh, maybe a few transfer windows to get the players that he needs, and you you feel that he's the right man you know, to take Dortmund forward, or or do you think Dortmund need to react? And you know, if this continues um, in the next few match days, and, and maybe make that change, just like like Bayern did. I don't know. You know, I mean, he's only had eleven games. Uh, I don't think he's been blessed by particularly good luck. Don't forget, a summer Dembele's gone, and you know, Dortmund's fluidity on their attack looks a little bit less since he's been gone. So I think he's been a big miss. He probably didn't expect Dembele to go. Uh, he's not been helped by the fact that Aubameyang is misfiring. So all of a sudden, you know, the man who's getting 31 goals last season is struggling to score. Man who's quite right, Yarmolenko missed the sitter. Um, you know, Bartra scores a good goal at the end. They could have scored another goal in added time to make it 3-2. Doesn't seem as bad then. Um I think he has just had all his bad luck and bad fortune in one area. I do, though, question his use of Sahin and Weigel. It also questions use on Bartra. I don't think he's you know, a natural um, player for the position he's put him in. So maybe he needs to look at his, not his setup, because I think we all understand that 4-3-3 suits Dortmund. It suits Aubameyang. It suits Pulisic. It'll suit Royce when he comes back. Um, you know, it's it's more he may need to tweak it a little bit personnel-wise and maybe he's not playing his strongest 11 at times, which is coming around to bite him on the backside. Yeah, the the Badra, you know, they went and bought Tolian, right? And now he's not playing and Badra is playing out of position. Badra is a very good centre-back, I think, who just needs to play there because he, he can open the game up for them, right? Toprak has been very disappointed with him. 
And, you know, he's not the player that they need. Um, Hans-Joachim Watzke said this week in the media that the defender that will make Borussia Dortmund better would cost 50 million euros. Um, I guess that's quite a statement to make after a weekend like this. Um, but, you know, that is maybe the area that they have to look at. And I almost wonder, and this is really controversial, you know, um, Dortmund were very adamant not signing Aubameyang for not the right price, right? Because I guess they knew that they uh, would have to go on and buy a new striker. But you almost wonder, and this is, this is just thought process, if they actually almost hoped they could sell Aubameyang to bring in a player that suits the system a little bit better. Because Aubameyang can be a ghost, right? And um, in this 4-3-3 extreme pressing system, you need to have players. Every single player needs to work. But needs to put an enormous amount of work rate, and he doesn't always do that. So that's it's most mostly just me thinking out loud. But I, that's actually something that I really wonder about. Like maybe Dortmund kind of banked on getting the big bucks for Aubameyang and then bring in one or two strikers that suit the system a little bit better. Um, as it stands, they didn't because you know. The, the market value wasn't met and you don't just sell a guy who scored 31 goals. You know, you, it's, it's something very controversial to do. You need to sell that to a fan base as well. But it's just something that I've been thinking about this last week or so. Like maybe that was something that they were actually looking at. Manu, if, if we just talk about Busca just for one last second, I mean, if after the international break on that Friday night, uh, their next game away to Stuttgart, who have had a, a good season uh, so far, um, after being promoted, if that goes badly, w- would we see a possible reaction from uh, the Dortmund board and getting rid of him? Well, that's a controversial question. I like it. I'm actually going to be at that game, Bryce, accreditation permitting. I, I, th- <laughs> I think you have a lot of rumblings in the fan base. Uh, there's the hashtag B4B is maybe the most volatile hashtag in German football. And when you go on Twitter after a match day, it's either sky high or lowest of lows. Um, there's not many clubs around the world that have, have this kind of, um, that, that have that much controversy online, right? And it's a very active, it's a very knowledgeable fan base. It's a fan base that is very opinionated. And that's a good thing. You know, it, it helps. But I think that when you, when you look at the round, there's, there's a lot of unrest in that fan base. I, I think there's, I tweeted this out. Um, I think that account has been closed actually already, but there's a Peter Boss out at Peter Boss out Twitter account already. Right. So, you know, I think a couple more results could really lead to this unrest becoming worse. On the other hand, Dortmund are a very patient club. You know, they, club was allowed to be twice in last place with Dortmund in two different seasons and they didn't react at all. They didn't, you know, they just, they carried on with their course and in the end were proven right on both occasions. Right. So I think the, the board is very, is very capable of shutting all of that out, you know, and just doing the thing and doing the right thing. And, um, I think Dortmund's board and the people that are involved in the decision-making process, they actually one of the few, few boards in football, that actually know what they're doing. Um, you know, I often jokingly said that probably every, a lot of average people could do a better job at most clubs in the world. Dortmund is not one of them. They're, they're very capable. They know what they're doing. And I think, I think that they will give him a, quite a lot of pride, 
quite a lot of time, Bryce. But Chris, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this because this is this is something I mean that is going to carry on until they win. Yeah, I'd, I'm not sure he needs to be sacked um, just yet. I mean, let's take away the problems they've had in the Champions League and let's take away the bad, I'm going to say, October and November that they've had. And they're still third. Um, and they've, you know, one win takes them um, second again. So on one hand, it's quite bad that they've let a five-point lead slip, which, you know, a five-point lead round about the end of September time, start of October, you look and you want to build on that. And can you make that five into seven at Christmas? Can you make that seven into 10 round about March time? And you look in, you know, can you win the league? And that's pretty much what Bayern Munich did last season. So that would have been nice to see Dortmund do that. I can't see them going into free fall. And as we go into the winter break, them being in sixth, I think if that does happen, which I'm pretty sure it won't, he may go then. But at the moment, I think he's been brought in to oversee a bit of a transitional period, especially since um, Dembele went. Um, he, it's a really, really young team. We said that on a number of occasions last season um, when Tuchel was in charge, that it's a young team and eventually it'll click and it'll fire into place. It just seems that we've gone two steps backward before it's going to have to take you know two steps forward again. I would hold off um, on on getting rid of him at the moment. I mean, if he was to move on and Peter Stoker wasn't to move on, I think we'd be in a very weird situation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very much so, yeah. I think we can both agree to that. But um, yeah, the, this is uh, the, the first time they've lost uh, back-to-back in the Bundesliga since April 2015 and they'll be hoping to change that um, when Manu is visiting uh, when they're playing as Stuttgart. But um, guys, let, let's talk about Bayern then. Um, obviously, they've had a managerial change uh, of, of late, uh, but Hank has done a hell of a job. I mean, they seem to be back on track, don't they, Manu? Um, we talked, didn't we, that he would come in, he's been out of the game for a few years, you know, he's going to be playing this 4-2-3-1, oh, that, that's not going to work, you know, it's, you know, everyone else has moved on. It, it seems to be doing okay, though. Yeah, he is the guy that proved all of us wrong. Um, a fantastic job he has done. I, I thought that Bayern have looked very good in this game, and I, I love how he's just been able to get the confidence going again in all these guys. And you look at some of the, some of the players that he's kind of revived. Javi Martinez, for example, has been a rock for them. And he's just, all he did is move him from center back to midfield where I, where he is the best, you know, that's his best position. And it's been remarkable how good he's been. I mean, Chris, he scored that header against Celtic that bloodied him. And then that's just, but just such an important goal for them at, at, a, at a key moment. Oh yeah, it was. It was. I mean, they were they were at that cusp where the crowd had turned and the crowd believed that Celtic could do it. And Celtic played exceptionally well that night, um, and they scored. And we're looking. I think it was it was less than two minutes later. Mm. He pops up and 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 sticks his head in somewhere where you know I don't think many people would have done it because I'm sure he saw out the corner of his eye he was going to get clattered. Yeah, and they completely bloodied right and keeps playing and I thought he was fantastic in that game. He is he he was not the standout player in on the weekend, but he was still very good. But it's also someone like Hamas, you know, I thought Hamas was really good in this game as well. And Hamas was that was one of the question marks with 
Hank is coming in because Hammers was, was one of those players that were considered, um, you know, a teacher's pet form of Carlo Ancelotti's. And there was some doubts on whether Hammers would have a future, but I thought he was really good in this game and, you know, just gives them a very different option if used the right way. And the, the thing that I like about how Heinkes has, what Heinkes has done. He's shown a lot of flexibility with his system. Now, if Ancelotti was always at 4-3-3, in this game, he actually used that 4-3-3, but it was a very different kind of 4-3-3. It's almost like a 4-4-1. Uh, sorry, like, yeah, a 4-5-1 with very wide midfield that's kind of wraps around Lewandowski and Lewandowski up top. And that worked for them in this, in this game really well. And it shows, shows that Despite the fact that he's been gone for four years, he's still so involved in the game. And I think that's, that, 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 that has been key for them, that he's been just able to step in and just install confidence in all these players and, um, just have them play in their best way. And yeah, I think it's, it's interesting how he's been able to do that and how, how he has basically just turned it around so fast. I think he himself even said, it's remarkable that we were able to catch up to Dortmund so fast. He didn't expect it himself. So, yeah, well done. And, you know, there's now even rumblings that Heinkes could stay at Bayern long term, um, which is something that we would have never guessed at when he, st- when he took over uh, from Carlo Ancelotti. But, you know, if he gets the results, I, I can't see a better coach for them right now. It was interesting, Manu, that when Robin was interviewed post-match, he said that he can be very, very happy since our new manager came in. So I think his words give you an indication into how unhappy they were uh, with Ancelotti. And since Hankus has come in, they all look a better side. Yes, you know, happiness. And you see this, what we call in German Spielfreude, um, the, the joy of playing. And you see that, you know, every single one. I, I thought Alaba was good. You know, Alaba had had been sort of invisible for the last year and a half, two years almost. And all of a sudden, Heinkes comes in and he's, he's slowly but surely becoming the player that he was. And I think that is, that is something that you, you can't discount, right? And um, maybe that's just man management. Chris, though, I mean, if we look at, uh, we, we spoke plenty about uh, Byron having uh, weaknesses throughout that squad, a bit of an aging squad, and maybe the, the youth players uh, or younger players in the squad weren't maybe reaching the heights that they had uh, hoped that they would. Uh, do you see them addressing this over over the transfer market, say, in the winter? Uh, or do, do you see if they change their manager maybe in the summer, uh, then maybe holding out, Sorry, their coach uh, until he maybe comes in and they and they speak with him and make decisions with him. Uh, or, or do you see if Hanke stays on? It's it's a little bit of a backward step. It's a bit of a pause at the moment. No, I don't because I think Bayern have got one of the most exciting young talents in German football. He's just not at Bayern Munich at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Serge Gnabry, and I would I would assume that if Hanke stays, Gnabry will come back and I can see him growing into this side again because. He's getting all the experience he needs. Uh, I I think, and I'm not ageist, but I don't know if he might just be too old to, to take a long-term project on. Um, we're looking at a bind going into transition, which could take them two to three seasons to be peak buying. And by I say peak buying, I mean going on and winning the Champions League. It's pretty much at the moment, they have got the run of the middle of the bunch 
Bundesliga. So although it's a bit of a, a bit of a pain for everyone that's watching that they're so strong and they have come so strong again, it's it's the European element where they need to get stronger and any transition will hurt that. I don't know if at seventy two he's just a little old to take on another challenge. But hey Bryce, I mean I'm I'm forty next year. Um, you know, you're not you're not that old, and man, you're not that old either. But we're all going to be working until we're 85, 90. So, hey, maybe 72 isn't that old anymore to manage a football team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I thought that is working till then, but maybe you're right. Maybe you're all right. But, um, guys, let's move on to the team that are now placed in second in the uh, table after uh, Dortmund kind of um, stalling over the last few weeks. We've seen RB Leipzig uh, obviously lose to uh, Heinz's side last week, but they got back to winning ways this weekend when they took on Hannover, coming back from 1-0 down to win 2-1 especially right at the end with uh, Werner scoring. Manu, you watched this game and you said it was uh, absolutely fantastic entertainment. It was great. This this was a really good game with with really two really good teams and I mean we have we raved about Hannover already last week and how good they were for a promoted side and how unexpectedly good they were for a promoted side because we we sort of thought you know Stuttgart would be that team but Hannover um, it's everything you know they they just play really nice football it's it's just a lot of fun to watch and I thought I sort of was wondering how they're going to take their football and their brand of football to Leipzig and for the first really 60 minutes or so, they shocked Leipzig because they went there and they just played the aggressive attacking football, you know, um, going forward, not being afraid. And Leipzig can be a really noisy place, can be a difficult place to play at. And they were, had no fear whatsoever. And I, I thought it was, it was really great to watch. And then of course, you know, they scored the opener and, um, Le- Leipzig had to work really hard to get back into this game and, it was just really good fun all around, perfect football. I mean, Fox labeled this as Super Saturday because the top four teams were playing against each other and Hannover did look like a top four team. And yes, they were beaten in the end, but that's um because Leip- Leipzig has a really good squad, but Leipzig had to work very hard to get this result. And I thought it was interesting that Ralf Hasenhüttl went into this game thinking, okay, well, we can rotate our squad a little bit. And he brought in uh, Lima, um, he brought in Bruma, and um, he had to pay a little bit of a price for that. And he had to kind of uh, make some changes. You know, he had to bring in Keita, he had to bring in Forsberg, um, he had to bring in, you know, just make those changes to, to, to get the side back going and turn this result around and, yeah, I thought it was it was an interesting game to watch. It was a fun game to watch and it was I actually thought this was the better of the two Super Saturday games and it's a result that will I think actually help both clubs. Yes, Hannover will be disappointed that they lost, but I think they will take a lot away from this game. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved ones' doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, as you said, Hanover are having a pretty good season up in sixth, even after that loss. But so, Chris, if we just speak about RB Leipzig a, a little bit further. We obviously seen last year they they surprised everyone with their you know somewhat of a title challenge, which I suppose fell away a little bit towards the end of the season. But they were somewhat the uh, surprise package. Uh, they're up to second now, the four points behind Byron. Can you see them possibly you know staying you know? up there with them, possibly uh, mounting a bit of a challenge and it being a bit closer this season compared to the end of last. After this particular game, I can see them maybe going on and doing what they did last season because this was a tough game for them. I mean, they were carved open, Leipzig were, for the first goal. Um, and it was fantastic play by Hanover. And it was, um, it was Bibu slid the ball through and it was a beautiful pass, sliced Leipzig apart. But they came back back from it and they got a late winner on 85 minutes. And if you're in a tough game and you can score, sorry, you can go one behind and you can score afterwards, you know, late on 70 minutes, Poulsen scored and, and that goal's all about Timo Werner. And then for Werner to jump up and, and slot the um, winning goal in on the 85th minute, that is a sign, not of a champion winning side, but a side that who can push for a title. Because when maybe they should be grinding out results they do it I mean it was I hate to say it was almost a very buy-in performance um you know they were second for part of the game and then they've come on top and they've taken the chances and they've taken clinically and they've won the game um and their stars rose to the top you know Forsberg played very very well when he came on and Timo Werner was a superstar for the first goal you, you have to say your hat off to um, Diego Deme with the with the clip ball from deep inside the Leipzig half to put Forsberg through, squares it for Werner. That's a that's a brilliant goal for so late on, and that just gives me a little bit of an inclination that they may have a similar sort of season again, especially if they're picking up results like this um, when it's maybe not going their way. What about you, Manu? You, you obviously are tuned in and watched the game as well. Uh, but do you agree with Chris that you know, this was a tough game for them? They still managed to come through the stars really um, while well, well, pulling one out, out, of the, out of the bag for them. Uh, do you see them being able to, to stay afloat? You mean Leipzig? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Staying afloat, sorry, with the, with the title race, the title challenge. I thought it was a test of character and you know, you you look at Timo Werner and he he seemed frustrated at times, but then he pops up with a fantastic assist to Paulsen and he then scores the game winner. And it shows that despite being frustrated with the game, he can still he was still he was able to kind of shove that aside and just get on with it. And that is that is um, a test of character to get through a game like that. And they did it, you know. And I think those are three massive points for them. You know, they are the closest, they are the biggest Bayern hunter right now. They are the team that are closest to Bayern. They are the team that will be there when Bayern slips up. And, um, I think they can do it and they can, they can have the consistency. They just can't. 
the one thing that they need to learn, they finally need to learn, is not to slip up against Bayern. Uh, I think that dropping those two games was very unnecessary. So maybe by the spring, that maturity will be finally there. And, you know, games like that help to get that maturity. Yeah, most certainly. I, I hope uh, for our own entertainment that, you know, a team like Leipzig that um, the, uh, at times plays such fantastic football can keep up with the likes of uh, Bayern and whoever else might be up there. Dortmund fans will be certain, certainly be hoping that'll be them as well. Um, guys, a quick word on Hanover. Um, obviously, they've, they've started pretty well. This weekend obviously didn't go the way that they would have uh, liked it, but it's been a fantastic start, as we've mentioned on, on previous pods. And can we see them obviously staying up? Things look good for them, but where exactly can we expect them to to finish? Maybe I mean, is a European spot or a top half finish maybe a bit too far, Chris? Um, I'm going to say that a European spot's too far for them, uh, especially with Leverkusen being better than they were last season. Um, Gladbach a little bit more improved than they were last season as well, and Schalke are, are right up there fourth at the moment. I think to get in one of those top six places, they aren't one of the best six teams in Germany at the moment. However, they have been playing very well. So I think if they were to finish 10th, um, I think that would be an excellent season for them. I think if they finish 15th, that would be an excellent season for them. It's all about staying in the Bundesliga. Now they've got back in it. But realistically, I could probably see them finishing about 10th. Yeah, I, th- I think we'd all agree that that would not be a bad season at all for them, would it? Okay, guys. Well, let's just ha- have a little look towards the bottom of the table. Uh, this weekend, we've seen uh, Hamburg uh, take on Stuttgart and get, well, a rather impressive and important win. They they managed to come out on top 3-1. Obviously, we've seen over the last few years, guys, haven't we, that Hamburg have struggled. They've just about stayed in the top flights. Um, and this this is a pretty big victory for them against a uh, newly promoted Stuttgart and uh, I mean what, what can we maybe expect from Hamburg this season uh, Manu are, are we going to see them have another another struggling time you and know, possibly going into that um, that, that playoff battle as, as such um, I think we, the three teams that are down there right now are the three teams that we're going to see there at the end of the season and uh, Hamburg are not one of them but Hamburg you know they are a team that has struggled in the last few years and there's reasons for that you know they are massive rebuild they have been in a massive rebuild now for three or four years and haven't really done the right things to get out of that situation and i think it's only been since gistol took over that the club has taken a right direction but you know the sins the sins committed in the last four or five years take more than a year and a half to fix. I think this season is another transitional year, but I see some signs, some tiny little signs that things can maybe go a little bit better and maybe, just maybe, um, they can pull off a, a mid-table finish rather than having to worry until, you know, the last day of the season again. Uh, but, you know, I, I really what I think is is a is a great storyline is the story of uh, Jan Fitaab. The, the young striker that they have, um, who's only 17 years old and has now played twice and he scored last week and, and the loss. And then he scored again this week. And, you know, he's one of the most sought after striker talents in, in European football. And they must just be so happy to have him because, you know, he, 
he shows a kind of maturity that you don't have in that side, especially on his position. You know, they just sold La Soccer to, to Leeds United. Bobby Wood has been really misfiring for quite some time now. And, um, to, to have a talent like a jewel like that come in and step in and get the job done for them, that is really fortunate. And I think it's, it's good for Gestol. Um, to bring in up and also the, the young Japanese Tatsuma Ito, um, who's only 20 years old, um, who replaced Andre Hahn. And I think it's, it's a good sign that there's, you know, young players like that coming through. And I think they have, will have to be the foundation for, for Hamburg's rejuvenation. Yeah, I think there's positive signs certainly uh, to be had there uh, with the youngsters. Uh, Chris, can, can I just, um, ask a quick question? Um, what's your opinion on Bobby Woods? I must say that I'm not his biggest fan. Might be a bit controversial, but I don't think he's lived up to maybe the hype that some would um, would have uh, put around uh, Bobby Woods. No, I think you're quite right. He had a he had a great start, didn't he, to life uh, at Hamburg, and he's sort of fallen off the I say the pedestal a little bit. But I mean, was he ever up there in the first place? He's he's got plenty of potential. He's just not lived living up to it at the moment. I don't think he's been helped um, by the under-19 lad coming through ARP and, and having such a good start to his time in the senior side. But, I mean, he's... Uh, I don't really know how much not getting to the World Cup has affected uh, you know, the whole of the US men's national side, be it main players and fringe players as well. Uh, they've got nothing to look forward to in the summer at the moment. I don't know how much that's playing with their head. You don't know how much he's settled really at Hamburg at the moment. Is he move? Is he looking to move on? Is he particularly happy? You probably wouldn't think he'd be that happy. He may just be in a bit of a, a bad situation. So I wouldn't be maybe as harsh as you, Bryce, to say that he's not lived up to his expectation. Maybe he's just having a bit of a bad time of it at the moment. But I, I've seen plenty of him to know that once it does click back into for him, I mean, he has got a deadly finish and he's very strong. He's very powerful. He's good in the air. And, you know, he can certainly finish on the floor. So he's got all the attributes he needs to be, to be a good striker in this league. Yeah, Bryce, I follow, followed Bobby Wood's career for quite some time now, because he's actually from 1860s Academy. And um, there was always questions about his attitude and his work rate even at 1860 and 1860 actually spent a long time uh, was very patient with him, you know, giving him time to recuperate from various injuries and um, giving him time to play. The, the problem was that um, it was either completely on or off for him. And he had one good year with Union Berlin in Bundesliga too. And that's where the big price tag comes from. And that's also where the, a lot of the hype is coming from now. He has not shown that consistently in the Bundesliga. You know, the level that he's shown for one year in, at Union, he has not shown that in the Bundesliga at all. How do strikers get valued by scoring goals? And, you know, he hasn't never scored double digits in Germany in, in top flight. And that's, that is a warning sign for me. You know, you can rate a player as high as you want to. And they gave him a big contract. And I guess he's kind of resting on that a little bit, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, he's, his head might be elsewhere and whatever else is going on with the U.S. national team, you know, that's all great and good, but his day job is in Hamburg. Um, he, his head should not be 
about the mischance in Russia. It should be all about getting the job done with his club. And, you know, maybe this, this, this plays into the entire US debate. Maybe this is for an entire different part, entire different story, but there is a big question mark right now in the United States about US players and, um, whether they have that ability to overcome problems and, um, you know, play above their means and, yeah, a bit of a character question. And, um, Bobby Wood is sometimes showing that a little bit. So I think if a 17 year old comes in and outplays you, it doesn't matter how talented he is, then there is something that I, he should be worrying about. He needs to put in the work rate and show it that he can play in this league because right now he's not showing it. So you don't think it's a matter of maybe him being at the wrong club, maybe another club would nurture him a little bit better. I think Hamburg nurtured him plenty by giving him a big contract. You know, I, I, I they, they're paying him, they're paying him. I heard somewhere between three and four million euros. That's a lot of money for someone who's never scored double digits, Bryce. I, I, marketing boy. Yeah. Maybe just putting that out there. Marketing doesn't keep you in the league. <laughs> Very true. Uh, guys, let's talk about a subject which, um, we have probably discussed in, in plenty, uh, VAR. Uh, a little bit of controversy. Um, at the moment, uh, we have uh, Helmut Krug. I think that's how you pronounce it, is it? Mm. Krug? Yeah. Um, yeah. So a former referee who's um, the head of uh, the VAR uh, program at the moment. Uh, this guy has um, he's refereed even at uh, Champions League finals, uh, I, I believe the 2001, actually. Uh, but um, it's... It's been a bit questionable all season, hasn't it, Joe? You know, some people saying the big clubs seem to get the decisions um, or they seem to be more one-sided. But uh, he's been accused of influencing uh, these decisions. Um, Manu, what, what exactly can you tell us about this story? I mean, it's 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 pretty big news. Oh, hey, well, there's, there's questions about him influencing a bunch of things. And um, there's, there's accusations by referee Manuel Krefer that there's nepotism within the refereeing board that Helmut Krug is um, favoring certain referees over others. Um, this has been a long-term allegation that's been going on for quite some time. Now Helmut Krug has been removed from making game day decisions in the VAR, but he's still overseeing the project Manuel Grefe, who I think rightfully criticized the refereeing um, decision-making board, has been given um, a warning, a yellow card, as the press said, and uh basically if he ever speaks out again will be banned from refereeing games and um which is not a great sign because i think what McGreefer said and what McGreefer criticized about the way referees were selected um by the board he seems to be on something and uh yeah there is there's been some accusations that Krug has influenced uh decisions um doing games which he's not supposed to do um only the um, um do you, sorry just I'm just going to jump in because this, I think this has probably only happened once before when we've been doing a yeah. live pod, but he's just been sacked just right now. It's just come through. Um, oh. he, he's been sacked <laughs> as we record this. He's been, he's, he's just been removed. Um, there you go. the German football association of DFB have announced that Helmut Krug will no longer act as VAR project manager and cease his supervisory role at the Leeds control center in Cologne with immediate effect. Well, that's con, you know, that's consequential, wow. but that's consequential because it's been a mess. And, you know, you can't, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can't, you can't, if you, you cannot be the project supervisor and then try to influence 
because what they do, you have a referee on the field, you have the linesman, you and you then you have um, an, an assistant referee who can come in, right, um, and replace the main referee and also acts um, in, in the coaching zone. And then you have one VER referee. But apparently Helmut Krug has been trying, has been influencing the decisions that have been made during games while they sit in the control room in Cologne. And that's just a big no-no. Like that can't be. There is a guy in charge for it, right? That's like, that's like having the supervisor call in during the game and tell the referee is doing a bad job, right? Can't do that. And then there's this, this entire, the entire thing that Helmut Krug decided and this is this is such a big boo-boo, right, Chris? I mean, we talked about the EFAP many times before. Krug and Co. basically decided that the the rules laid out by the EFAP and they're the the rule ruling uh, control board of FIFA that they weren't the right rules. So they just decided that VAR would be used for anything, you know. And that is that is just bad. I mean, it is basically he's taken the ruling from from the International Football Association board. You know, is made up of FIFA and the four um, home British nations who come together every single year and amend the rules of football, the laws of football. Sorry, and and he's just taken it off his own back to implement it in in a way that he thinks it should be done, which isn't you know in accordance with the direction, the guidance given to every other league that's tested at the at this moment in time. Um, Dieter Heckins come out today and said he thinks that it probably won't. Won't be in use after December's winter break. Yeah, and that's too bad because I do actually like the project. I think it's 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 a good idea, but you know the DFB has handled it so poorly. You know the, the other thing that's that's come out is that Krug did this and he didn't even tell the clubs. The clubs didn't know that there has been a change in direction. That's that's just crazy. It's basically you don't tell your shareholders that you are that you are changing the the, the way you're running the product. And uh, the fans didn't know. You know, how often have we discussed that the one main issue of VVR that we had was the lack of transparency? Now, this just adds to it. And um, I really hate to say this, but, you know, we cover MLS quite a bit as well. And I'm in Vancouver almost every second week. And I, of all the games I've covered live in Vancouver... There has never been a VER decision, even though VER can be used by the referees. And that's, that's just telling. That's how much it should, it should only come in to decide absolute key moments. But these days, we don't have a single Bundesliga game without a VER, um, decision. And that's, that's just, it's just too much. And I think that's something, um, that Krug obviously came up with, but you know, I, I think VAR is a great tool that should be used only at key moments in games. And there isn't really that many. I'm, I'm in full agreement. And for a while, I thought technology had no place in football because football's the world game because it doesn't matter if you're playing in the Allianz Arena or if you're playing in a local park on a Sunday morning, you go by the same laws. The same laws of the game affect the very at the top as they do at the very bottom of the amateur game. And that's why football's such a good game because, you know, you go and play on a weekday and you're under the same you know, the same laws, the same guidance as the likes of Lewandowski, likes of Robin, Aubameyang, Pulisic. You know, you're playing the game to the same level, but it's such a fast game now. And it's such a shame that VAR hasn't worked because it's as crucial as a, as a technological advancement as the Hawkeye was on the goal, the goal line technology, which takes a minimum of 
one second, the referee just looks at his watch and he knows if it's a goal straight away. It's not intrusive. It doesn't slow the game down. Um, it can be reviewed afterwards. You know, how close was it? Was it an inch? Was it a foot? You know, we know exactly how how little the ball is either all the way over or it's not. There's, there's no dispute in the fact. And I think somehow VAR's got lost in... We all know why it was brought in. It goes back to that Lampard goal um, that never was against Germany where it hit the bar and it bounced in and it was a good three, four foot over. And that's what made FIFA change their mind. That's something like this needs to be introduced. And that's where the goal line technology came in and, and it's gone to VAR above and beyond this. And I think it is a really, really important tool. It's just in danger of being watered down for everything. They need to make a key four or five reasons like they have why it's used and it's only used for that and it doesn't matter well there's a camera there so did he pull his shirt did he not pull his shirt it's mm. not there for that it's there for these distinct areas only and if you start to dilute the game then it does become a little bit like american football is in gridiron and there's you know yellow flags or handkerchiefs being thrown around everywhere and we're getting stopped but i do think it's there to be used it just needs to be implemented properly and this um this this travesty that's happened behind the scenes as it's just a nail in the coffin for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but Chris, w- would you see it as um, a failure if they did drop it at, at the winter break? Do you, do you think that they should try and iron out the creases, but they've got to keep going forward for the, you know, for the uh, future of the project um, and see how the rest of the season? I don't know because this isn't the first time it's been used in a Bundesliga VAR. It's the first time it's been used publicly, but it was trialled for most of last season. So it's been in the background and it should, all these sort of problems have been ironed out, which I think is why some of the other leagues have decided not to take it yet. And they will take it if, and when it's all the problems are ironed out. Mm-hmm. So you know, it had to be trialled somewhere. It's just unfortunate that it's, gone on this way in the Bundesliga because it doesn't look particularly good for anybody especially for the DFB You know if I was the the DFL um, or the DFB I would talk to someone like Howard Webb who's running the VAR system over here in in North America and um, you guys know this I was very critical at first how MLS used it because I thought they were running too often to the screen They they have limited that significantly now um, you almost don't notice that VAR is in a game in, in Major League Soccer. And that's, that's a good thing. And that's, that's, I'm 100% sure that's Howard Webb's work. And Howard Webb is, you know, I'm, I was fortunate enough to meet him once at the Wembley event. And he's, um, the kind of personality that seems to be getting it right. And, you know, all the DFB basically needs to do is, uh, call up Bibiana Steinhaus and say, like, oh, can you talk to Howard and get him over here to help us out with this? Because he got it right in MLS. And that is that they need to talk to Major League Soccer and the, ref- the pro referee association in Major League Soccer and take a look at it and see how MLS has handled it because they're doing a better job. Um, Manu, obviously Chris mentions the NFL then when talking about uh, VAR and we don't want it to be stop, 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 start, which is, you know, I, I think everyone can be in agreement with that, but would you say that they would be beneficial um, in taking the part of the VAR in NFL in that the referee then announces uh, to the crowd what exactly the decision is to to help that transparency. Do you think that's something that they could benefit from? Yeah, I think fans hate it because they're confused about it. 
and in North America and hockey does the same. Ice hockey does the same thing. The referee explains the decision when a decision is made and that doesn't take long. You know, they, they, they do that sign with the, the, the television sign anyways. And then all they need to do is use the microphone that they already have and say, player A help player B in the box. Therefore a penalty. That's all that needs to be done. Right. Or player A was a step ahead of player B. Therefore the game was played. The ball was offside and the goal wasn't given. Boom. Everyone in the, in the stadium will be just silent and say, okay, well, that makes sense. Because in real time, you will not see it. And all that takes is 10 seconds and it calms everything down. And I think that is a, that is something that they need to look at. Well, I suppose time will only tell if they decide to keep it on um, after the winter break. But guys, let's drop down a division. Uh, we had somebody um, mention uh, this week, didn't we? Um, well, they want to know a little bit more about not just Bundesliga too, uh, but about Holston Kiel and how they've, uh, well, they're newly promoted side this year, uh, but how they're doing so well. I mean, they're, they're sitting up in second place, had a hell of a, a run this season. They've got 29 points, just one point behind um, Dusseldorf. Uh, Manu, you, you've mentioned that uh, Holston Kiel uh, have never been in the Bundesliga before. I remember looking into their history previously, and it seemed like they were a, a quite decent team back in the 1920s. Uh, that was obviously a while ago. Um, what can you tell us about Holsten Kiel? Uh, I can tell you that Kiel is a great city for European handball. <laughs> it's um, yeah, that, that, That's more popular there than football. Yeah, it is. Or is that wrong? Well, it was uh, for a long time. The, ha- the handball team is struggling a little bit right now. And um, Holstein Kiel has come in at just that time when that happened. Um, and sort of really is becoming the team in, in Kiel and um, Schleswig-Holstein, the, the, uh, the land or the, or the state that um, Kiel is the capital of, never had a Bundesliga side before in the entire history. So um, it's, it's still one of the few places in Germany that never had, were never represented in, in the top flight football. And it could happen this year. And the, the Storks, as they are called, um, now they are financed um, very well. There's money in this project. Uh, there's several investors that are putting money into this and they actually have a plan. It's more of a five, six year plan that they eventually want to knock on uh, the Bundesliga door. Um, I guess they didn't really think it would happen this quickly, you know, that they had a chance to, to be part of the promotion race and, um, you know, go to the almost the very top of the league. The second now behind Düsseldorf, right? So, but it's an interesting project. I'm not sure if they have um, the the depth or the infrastructure yet to play in the Bundesliga, Bryce, because uh, there's there's issues about the stadium, there's issues about training ground. You know, there's a reason why they when they um, when the investors took over the club that they said, well, this will take time um, because we need the time to to put everything into place, right? To play Bundesliga, um, having a squad is one thing, but you start up with Darmstadt that burst onto the scene but didn't even have the proper stadium to play at, right? Or with Paderborn that didn't have a training ground. They had to basically just train on a field that was uh, used by a high school. So these things are very important. You know, you need to be on a strong foundation when you go to the Bundesliga. And this is maybe one thing that worries me if they, if they would go straight up, that, that could their, their foundation couldn't be strong enough to sustain it. And I mean, in the case of Paderborn, they almost ended up in Liga 4 last year, right? It was only because of 1860 not getting the license to play in Liga 3 that they actually stayed in the league. That Not being on strong foundation can hurt you if you rise up too quickly. 
So I, it's great to see this, um, but I almost wonder whether it is too fast for them. And when you look around that league, right, Chris? I mean, we have Union Berlin. That's a great side. That's right behind them. We tipped rightly to be one of the promoted teams. You have Nuremberg, you have St. Pauli. Those are teams that are ready for Bundesliga football right now. Yeah, and it, I think it would be a step too far, um, a little like Ingolstadt, like you mentioned, and maybe even Darmstadt as well, um, and definitely Paderborn. And, and you know, you're right, they just about escaped what would have been a remarkable story dropping from the very top right down. I, I don't know if they'd be ready. I don't know if they've got the staying power. Look who's behind them. Um, you know, you've said Udi and Berlin are there. Nuremberg are there. Um, St. Pauli are there. You know, there's there's teams who have got the ability to go up and, and maybe give a better challenge. Um, so whilst it would be a nice story, maybe they're a season or so off ready for, for going up to the main Bundesliga yet. Yeah, but how great would it be uh, to have Dusseldorf uh, back in the Bundesliga, Chris? I mean, that's another side with a, a very big ground and yeah, quite a strong history. Oh, yeah, big ground, big history, and also um, in a hotbed of football, mm. a real hotbed of football. Um, and yeah, it would be another another reason to visit that rural area, uh, which is such a nice area, and I love it over there. And if you've never been to Dusseldorf, go because... Not only do they have a really nice football stadium, they've got a fantastic old market town as well, which is fantastic at night. Yeah, and there's actually um, this is this might be interesting for the two of you. There is a link between Düsseldorf and Liverpool, and that's the the rock band or punk rock band, Die Toten Hosen. Uh, the lead singer of the Tottenham uh, actually yes, supports a Liverpool fan. Isn't he's it? a massive yeah, Liverpool fan, but he's also a massive Fortuna Düsseldorf fan. You know? So that's, that's I always <laughs> love that. And he's there's actually uh, there's a couple actually a lot of their songs. The song that you hear at the beginning of the podcast is actually from them. So there you go. Uh, but there's also a song that he did about Bayern, and there's a couple words in that song that uh, we will not repeat on this podcast, but. Yeah, that's that's a really cool link, and, you know. They, they, for me, they're always that punk rock, punk rock team. You know, the support of the Tottenhausen. I believe the Tottenhausen song is actually sung before games there as well, and they sponsored the team for quite some time as well when they were almost going into bankruptcy. So yeah, it's a really cool link, I think. And he's a nice guy. I met him at the um, "You'll Never Walk Alone" premiere that I went to in Essen um, earlier on this year. He's a real nice guy. Yeah, legend. There we go. I think that more or less does it for this week's uh, podcast. Actually, Chris, I've been meaning to ask you, I meant to ask you off air, but I'll ask you now. What do you think of this uh, new German kit that was just released today? I saw a great analogy before. It was, um, this is what happens when you forget to do your printing at home in colour and you have to use a black and white printer at work. It's a lovely shirt, but I wish they would have given it the colour of the Italian 90 shirt. Agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I must say I, I quite like it as well. But Manu, it'd obviously be interesting to hear your opinion. Yeah, if you go retro, at least give it the color. It does. You know what happened is they probably the design team they came they had like had to come up with a whole bunch of different ideas and to save money they printed all the old jerseys out in black and white and they looked at the 1990 and they're like, oh, I'm a genius. It's like no, you're not a genius. You basically took a black and white copy of an old shirt and made it a new one. I, I, I don't know. If you go that route, at least go colourful. I'd have liked to have seen it in colour and the um, and the 
the, the classic green away kit as well, exactly the same. I know it's going to be close, but I would have liked to have seen, like you, an exact replica. Yeah. Only because it's really hard to get the original shirt. And they did a few of, when you look at the other countries that they did, I know the Russia did it, the Soviet Union 1988 kit for Colombia, they did the 19, I believe the 1994 kit, uh, for Spain, they did the 1996 kit and they were all true to the colors except for the, the Germany one. So I don't know. It's, I'll probably buy it if we win the entire thing, but if not, then, then probably not. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse, Bryce. Have you seen the Belgian kit? They've given them a golf shirt. <laughs> no i haven't but i'll be googling that as soon as we're off air i i feel um guys um we're gonna more or less call it a day there but uh final question you don't have to give me a score line england versus germany that's happening friday night um chris score line prediction doesn't matter about any reason just say uh, england to win 2-1 because it's a, a friendly at wembley and they give it far more impetus than it's worth and manu we won the last one there, right? And we lost the last game to England at home. I'm, I would say 1-0 for Germany. I'll go 2-0 Germany. And that will do it. Um, Chris, what would you like to draw people's attention to? Or where can people find you online? Um, if anyone wants to follow me, they can on Twitter. It's at Chris78Williams. Um, and then... You'll just catch all. Um, most of my writing these days is on um, is on football ground on football stat. I'm doing the uh, England Germany preview and also going to be doing the England Brazil preview for football sitar day as well. Lovely, jubbly, and Manu, what have you got going on? What would you like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, if people want to follow me. That's fine. It's at Manuel Beth. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. We're actually doing our first ever MLS podcast this week. Jack Grims and I am. Um, going to launch that project it's going to be very on and off really because the season is almost over and but it's uh, something with a long eye on next season but yeah the first episode will be recorded this week so that's very exciting very exciting indeed and good luck with that recording um I would just like to draw the attention to, which we're going to record straight after this one, Manu and I, the Golazzo podcast talking about uh, the Liga MX. Very exciting time in that league. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Um, apart from that, that more or less does it. Enjoy the international break if you can. And we'll be back uh, very soon, um, probably to discuss it, to be honest. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.